Well, today we're going to be looking, once I put my mic on, we will. Now, today we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, a passage that is very familiar to us, and yet one that always causes us to stop and think, and if we let it, uh, work in our lives. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, God's word to us. Written, first of all, by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, but certainly comes down to the church at Johnson Street as well. You know that the runners in the stadium all run the race, but only one wins the prize. You should run to win. All athletes dedicate themselves to rigorous training. They do it to receive a prize that doesn't last. We do it. To receive one that lasts forever. This is why I, like a runner, am running straight for the finish line. And this is why I, like a boxer, do not waste any of my punches. I push my body. I keep my focus. Because after I have called others to the contest, I do not want to fail to compete myself. May God bless the reading of his word. One of the blessings of preaching is that for a whole week I get to live with a particular passage and to read over it, to think about it, to pray over it, to read about it, to others' thoughts, and just kind of have that one passage dominate my week. And as I do that, a lot of times things in my own story, in my own life, kind of percolate up to the top. And uh, that happened this week. It, it surprised me that I thought of this story. I hadn't thought about it in a long time, but I wanted to share it with you. Happened several years ago when we were living in East Texas, and I went to a seminar for religious education. And when I got there, I ran into a couple of old friends that were also uh, ministers and hadn't seen them in a while. And that's really, uh, to tell you all a secret, that's why most of us ministers go to these conferences is to to run into people that we know. And anyway, we started hanging out together and eating together and also attending sessions together. And one particular session time came up and one of the guys in the group wanted to go to this session entitled something like Drama in Church. Uh, which we kind of shook our heads and said, we don't really like drama in church. <laughs> church has too much drama sometimes, but no. Uh, using drama to communicate the gospel or something like that. Well, I and, and the other guy, we were going, oh, you know, we're, we're just not really turned that way. That's not, there's something else we'd rather go. Say, no, this guy, no, no, no. And plus, uh, the other guy, one of the guys had kind of heard that this was kind of, they pull people up and made them do these skits and things. And he said, that's not really me. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But the, the, no, I really want to go. So this, to please this one friend, we walked up to the seminar and we looked into the session. It was one of these big hotel ballroom things and it was just packed. Maybe two or three hundred people in there. And he said, look, we'll just sit over there against the wall in the back and, and we'll be okay. You already know where this is going, don't you? So we go in and, you know, we sit down and we start listening. Well, the lady that's lecturing is, is walking around and, you know, she's very dramatic, right? And she's talking about the glories of putting on drama presentations and how that can communicate the gospel and so forth. And so she's walking up and down the aisle as she's talking and 
she ends up back toward the back and she said okay now we're going to put on a play and I need five volunteers <laughs> well you know lots of people like that a lot of y'all enjoy doing that uh, more power to you so several hands went up you know pick me pick me and she looks around and I swear she turns and looks right at the three of us sitting way back there and she said you three guys come on well we look up and there's 300 sets of eyes you know looking just right at us what do you do so we get up and we start crawling out over everybody and getting to them oh great well I look at the guy that it was his idea to be there and he is just ashen I mean he is just white because he didn't want to do it either you know and so we get to the aisle and that guy you're gonna think I'm making this up he turned and ran out the back door <laughs> leaving the other two of us standing there so we make our way up to the front and go through something and make complete fools of ourselves in front of all these people all the while muttering about the guy that got us there and then he ran out well that story and that experience which really wasn't that bad a thing it's just we gave him an awful hard time about it later on about setting us up like that but it sort of came back to my mind as we read this passage and I want to work through the passage and show you why that particular story I think is very relevant to what Paul is talking about here in 1 Corinthians. Now, Paul does not talk about drama. Uh, he uses a sports analogy, and sometimes we preachers get in trouble for using too many sports analogies, but don't fuss at me. They just pop up a lot, especially when you're reading Paul. And the reason that Paul was writing to the Corinthians and trying to make his point and decides to talk about sports when he makes the point is because that particular society that he was writing to was extremely sports crazy. Now, you think we're sports crazy. You should have known the ancient Corinthians because they were just really into it. You know, the, we just got through Super Bowl week in, in our culture. And uh, wow, you know, just everybody, they said something like eight out of the ten, every ten televisions was tuned in to the game at one point or another in, in America and people talking about it. Pat and I went to HEB uh, the Saturday before Super Bowl Sunday. You would have thought it was Christmas or something. We had to park all the way at the back, had to stand in a long line, couldn't get up and down the aisles. It was just crazy. You know, you think, Wow. Everybody's fired up and getting ready for Super Bowl Sunday. Well, the Corinthians got all excited about athletics because they hosted what was called the Isthmian Games. Isthmian Games. It's hard. Isthmus. Okay, they were, they were on an Isthmus, and it's called the Isthmian Games. And they uh, th these games were held every two years, and they were the second most prestigious games right under the Olympics. In fact, the Olympics, which were held in Athens every fourth year, were, were this was the Isthmian Games were kind of training ground for that. You went to the Isthmian Games to make a name for yourself and to fight against the, the top competition in all the world so that your skills were honed, your name was known, and uh, you could then go and compete in the Olympics during the Olympiad uh, every fourth 
year. Uh, there were lots of different games that were played. There were chariot races, there was wrestling, there was boxing, there were running events and throwing events, and also something called Pancration. I don't know, if, that name has kind of fallen out of use, but Pancration is roughly equivalent to our mixed martial arts or that, what is it, the UFC now that I see every once in a while on TV where you can just basically do anything. And in Pancration, which was kind of their top sport, that was the one, whoever won that one was the real big hero of the games. Uh, you just went in and you fought someone tooth and nail. The only two things you couldn't do were you couldn't bite and you couldn't gouge eyes. But other than that, uh, everything else, kicking and, and hitting and throwing around, it was just, you know, hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, so anyway, that, those were the games that were basically played. Now, this was a long-established tradition. For some of our young folks, you think we've always had Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl has been here forever, hasn't it? We just went through Super Bowl 46. Doesn't that make you feel old, some of you folks? How many of you remember Super Bowl I? <laughs> okay. Actually, I, I think the, the history is that we, don't, we didn't really call it Super Bowl until about three or four, didn't we? Number three was when it was called. And I remember when the first time I heard that, I thought that was kind of a crazy name because right at that time, the real craze was Super Balls. They, they were making these balls that when you threw them down, they would go up real high. And, uh, you know, so everybody, all you know, the kids were talking about their, having a Super Ball and then all of a sudden it had Super Bowl and thought, oh, that'll never stick. But it did. It's been around for 46 years. Well, if you think that that is a long-lasting tradition, and you can see how it has really become a part of our culture, the Isthmian Games had been held for six centuries. Every two years for six centuries. So by the time Paul came along, they were having at least Isthmian Games 317. So their t-shirts and their caps had a CCCXVII, all right? Uh, yeah, and, and so you know, this is just what they did and what they lived for. So it's natural that he would choose such a metaphor uh, whenever he talks to them about what Christianity and about what the life of faith is all about. So we want to make three quick points about this passage. If you want to look back at your Bible again, it's 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. I'm reading a little bit different translation, but I think uh, between your translation and this, uh, the meaning of it will really come out. So I'm going to make three points. It always makes me feel good to say that. I feel like an old-time preacher now, okay? Three points, no poem, but anyway, here we go. Number one, if you've entered this race, come on, guys, run to win. There's no sense being in the race if you're not going to run to win the race. Now, there are many choices that we can make in this life. There are many ways to live. Our culture is becoming more and more diverse in lifestyles. And there's a lot of different goals you can choose. You, you can a lot of different directions in life. You can choose a lot of different things that are important to you. But if you have chosen that the way of Christ is your way, if that is the race you're going to run, then doesn't it make sense that you're going to run to win that race. Paul goes on to say in verse 26, don't get distracted. Don't stop and start. Don't be like a runner that when the gun goes off or whatever they use then, a gong or something, I can't remember what they used to start their races. But whenever it goes off, 
well, don't run this way and then that way and don't stop and rest for a while. There's the finish line. And now that you've started this run, run to win the race. Or like a boxer, you know, don't just flail and beat in the air. You know, there's your opponent. You know, you know what to do. Don't waste your energy on other things. Don't go off after this goal and then that goal. And don't get distracted by by this particular thing. There's the finish line. There's the opponent. Focus and run. If this is truly your desire to be a part of this lifestyle, then doesn't it make sense to do it well? If you've signed up to be in the race, which is the way of Christ, run to win. Second point ties into that one. If this is your race, if you have decided this is the life I will live, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He has the way of salvation. I believe that His way of living is the right way to live. Well, then, you're going to run to win, but before you start running, you better have been training well. And while you're competing, you need to continue to make sure that your training fits what it is that you are doing. He says, all athletes dedicate themselves to rigorous training. You can't be an athlete and just sit around. you got to make sure that you're doing the training. And distance runners do this, sprinters do it, boxers, wrestlers, all train, but they train in a particular way that helps them in their event. For example, if you're a distance runner, spending some time in the weight room will probably help. But if that's what you always do, you go and you lift weights, pump iron, get all muscled up, you never go out and run, well, guess what? When it comes time to run the race, you're not going to do very well because you've been spending all your time doing training that was for some other event. We can do that in our lives as well. We may have deep in ourselves a desire to run the race of Christ well, but if we spend all our time pursuing other things and exercising in other ways and training in other ways and never give ourselves to the effort of doing the things that will help us to compete in this event, in the life of Christ. And we know what we need to do. We know that training includes things like a prayer life and spending time with the Word of God and spending time out serving others and doing the things that that God has called His people to do, exercising moral control, trying to live with the same ethics and morals that we see exemplified in Jesus and in those early Christians like Paul. That's what it takes in order to be in shape to do this race that we have chosen to run. And we're just silly if we think we're going to get in shape by not doing those things. And we're just silly if we can look over our days and our weeks and see how we've given ourselves to our jobs or to school and all that, but given very little time in really getting ourselves in spiritual shape. Why are we surprised that the first challenge that comes along, we grow tired and weary and we get out of breath and we just can't do it? This church has chosen a mission statement that is really designed to help us to be in shape for our spiritual race. We're called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we're always challenging ourselves to 
find ways to develop our heart for one another and our heart for Christ and to use our mind in, in his serving him and to learn more about him, to, to develop our soul in that constant connection that we want to have with God, and then our strength where we are out serving others and, and helping others. And so if we're going to run the race, if you've made that choice, if you've decided this is who I want to be and this is the life I'm going to live, then you've got to work out. You've got to train and train in the ways that will truly develop a, 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 an endurance and a strength that will last. And finally, another point that perhaps is not quite as clear in this, and yet if you read through all of chapter 9 of 1 Corinthians, you discover that this really is Paul's major point. Yeah, he's talking about running the race, and yeah, he's talking about about training in order to be in shape to run the race. But right there at the very end, he turns back to what he had been talking about for the last several chapters, and particularly all the way through chapter 9, when he points out that the reason I'm in this race is not for myself. It's really for everyone else. Let me read that last verse again. He says, I push my body. Yeah, I think the older translations say I punish my body, and certainly training is punishment, but it's, you're, you're not masochistic. You're not beating yourself up. You're pushing yourself and making your body do the things it needs to do to be in shape. He says, I, I keep my focus. Uh, older versions say I enslave my body. I want to make sure that I don't get distracted and I'm, I'm often chasing other things. I, I want to do it well. He says, and the reason I do this is because after I've called other people to come into this contest, after I have recommended the way of Christ to others, after I have taught them about Jesus Christ, I don't want to be the one who turns and runs out the back door. I don't want to be the one that doesn't show up for the race. I don't want to be the one that causes problems for them. Because I don't compete. All through Paul's writings, he keeps reminding us that Christianity is a team event. That it's about community. It's about one another. And yes, we are called upon as individuals to hold up our end. Yes, we are called upon, as Paul uses in other places, to find what part of the body we are and to function. But here he's saying, I want to be in this competition because other people are depending on me. Parents, you will have the strongest spiritual influence on your children of any other person on this earth. And how you run this race will largely affect how they run their own race and who they turn out to be. Friends with one another. If you're concerned about your friend and you want your friend to live the life of Christ, the most that you can do to help that friend, to help that child, to help that loved one, is to run to win, to train hard, because we're in a team event. I've heard some people accuse Christianity of being a selfish thing. It's all about me. They haven't read their Bible at all, because it truly is about us all. 
And we're each called upon to be the person God has called us to be so that those around us can gain from our strength and gain from our momentum. So therefore, we commit once again with Paul as he recommits in this passage. I will run to win. I will train myself well. Because it's not just about me. It's about everyone else too. Today as we come to the end of looking at this passage, I hope we haven't come to the end of your thinking about this. That you will let this passage work in your life as well. As Paul urges you to press on. To look toward that finish line and to run well. And to discipline yourselves, to to train yourselves to be the person that God has called you to be. And to look around and encourage those to run with us. Come and run beside me. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. And some of our leaders of this church will be around the edge of this room. And if you need help with that, if you have let Paul convict you today that perhaps you've stopped and started, perhaps you've been distracted and been running after other things, your training has not been right, then go and let one of these leaders pray with you and bless you. Let that person become an accountability partner for you to encourage you to run along beside them. Let's stand and sing.